Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Dustin Hawkinsmith and Johnny McGonigal. Welcome in. It's Penn State Northwestern Week. And Johnny McGonigal is joining me here, Dustin Hawkinsmith, for the Blue White Breakdown. The last Penn State podcast of the week as we go into Northwestern. Penn State, a gigantic favorite over this team. That's one and three. That's coming off a loss to a 17-14 loss to Miami of Ohio. 26 to 28 points, Johnny, is what it is what it's kind of going at. I think there might be some more action, but at the same time, I think betters started really hammering Penn State this time last week against Central Michigan. We saw what happened there, but what are your first preliminary thoughts on this matchup against Northwestern, other than what you just told me before we started recording? Like, let's just get to the bye. Yeah, Northwestern's not good, uh, Dustin. This is uh, this is a reason why Penn State is such a big favorite in a Big Ten game. I'd be interested to see when the last time, maybe it was Rutgers or Maryland one of these years, in terms of how, you know, it, the last time Penn State has been this big a favorite uh, in Big Ten play because, yeah, the Wildcats just don't have it. I mean, you see every other year it seems, or maybe every third year, Pat Fitzgerald, you know, cobbles together a team of guys and just goes like nine and four inexplicably. This is not one of those teams. I mean, they lost to Ohio. They lost to Southern Illinois. And, you know, they're losing these games, you know, not necessarily convincing on the scoreboard. You know, their win against Nebraska, 31-28. Their losses to Duke, Southern Illinois, and Miami all coming um, by eight points or fewer. But, I mean, they got ran all over by Duke and Miami of Ohio, you know, allowing over 450 yards total on the ground to those two teams. I think this could be, you know, a big Nick Singleton, big Katron Allen day. Hand it off to him. It might be raining. Get in, get out. You know, make sure you're healthy going into the bye week. Do you think Penn State will follow your blueprint? I mean, I think sometimes what looks like makes sense on paper. They don't always go out and and do that thing. Yeah, and you know, me and Bob were speaking earlier this week about how you know Northwestern runs you know quite a bit of you know cover zero. You know, trying to pressure the quarterback and make make him make quick decisions. And uh, you know, Penn State had a little bit of issues against cover zero against Purdue when they ran, especially running the ball. If you remember, you know, that was a game that came down to Sean Clifford's arm in the end. And uh, the running game really didn't get going against Purdue. So in an ideal world, they don't have those issues. They're able to hand the ball off 35, 40 times and uh, get the job done. But, you know, if it ends up being a Sean Clifford game, you know, maybe it's a little dicey, um, yeah, at least early. But I don't really see it happening that way. I, I think Penn State's offensive line, after kind of a shaky week against Central Michigan, reestablishes their dominance, gets the job done. The one matchup I'm just looking forward to is Peter Skaronsky, uh, the left tackle for Northwestern up against Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson. Uh, Chop specifically has been incredible this year. Uh, you know, coming over from Maryland, former four, you know former five star guy, showing off that talent. You know, that matchup is one I'm looking forward to though, because Skaronsky is widely considered the top tackle prospect in the 2023 draft and really is the only redeeming quality of that Northwestern offense. Offensive tackle you, Rayshon Slater, a couple years ago too. Yeah, my 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 couple of thoughts on Northwestern, like I really feel like this game's going to feel like the Central Michigan game did. 
where it gets a little muddy at times, maybe literally if it's raining. And that Northwestern is so accustomed to just dinking and dunking. You know, that that, that their top two receivers, their their top receiver is a running back, Evan Hall, and their number two receiver is five foot nine. So, you know, where Central Michigan kind of got into that, like, we'll take what Penn State's defense is giving us. I think Northwestern might have a couple drives in this game where they do some. Now, whether that leads to touchdowns or not, I'm not sure. And then the other facet of it is, okay, so Penn State has eight takeaways over the last two weeks. They've turned the ball over once this year, none in the last three games. Northwestern really struggles on the turnover front. I'm not sure if that's something that can be cleaned up in this one-week time between that bad loss to Miami, Ohio, and now. So if, if Northwestern you know, loses big in the turnover battle. Obviously, there's no conversation to be had here. Um, And then my final thing is, like, Northwestern, I don't know how it happens this way or why it happens this way, but whether it's in season or from one losing streak to one hot streak, like, they are as mercurial as any team in the nation, not even just the Big Ten. So it's like, what is the threat that Northwestern just does what they do and they just suddenly get their act together? for a week or three weeks or four weeks. Is there any threat of, of, of Northwestern be like finding their tip top game and being competitive in this one? This is kind of where Northwestern thrives. You know, if, if it's raining, if it's crappy conditions, if it's, you know, something that just gets the other, other offense out of sorts, out of sync, you know, again, if Sean Clifford is, you know, not making the throws, like I, I really thought he was kind of off the mark against central Michigan. It wasn't, you know, his cleanest performance, you know, the wide receivers needed to, to help him out a little bit. Harrison Wallace, um, as well as, you know, Mitchell Tinsley on back-to-back plays dropping uh, would-be first down conversions there. Could have made it 21 nothing. And then you're thinking about a totally different game. We're looking back on that game differently. You know, we're going to talk about Sean Clifford here in a second, you know, and his health and the way that he's been holding up uh, through uh, the four games so far this season. If he stays healthy and stays even keeled and, you know, is a little bit more uh, crisp and accurate on some of his passes, I think, you know, Parker Washington, you know, again, still has not scored a touchdown yet this season. Look for that to be, you know, maybe something in the red zone they target him. Uh, one last thought, and then we'll, we'll move on to um, Central Michigan. Um, the cover zero thing, you know, and, and Central Michigan running that defense and James Franklin expressing a little frustration that they weren't able to connect on on big plays um, that were that should have been presented to them by that defensive look. Expect some of that from Northwestern. Does that expose something that at the very least needs to be worked on? Because I don't know, Sean Clifford's ability to to deliver the deep ball is a little bit iffy at best, I think, just looking over the years. And then I think the personnel, you know, I don't know that that has always been Parker Washington's game to get deep and behind a defense. He can do it. I think he can do just about anything. Mitchell Tinsley's not a burner. You haven't really seen, and this is maybe one little nitpicky area of disappointment, you haven't really seen Trey Wallace or Keandre Lambert-Smith really be that number three guy. And then Brenton Strange is leading the team, the tight end's leading the team in yards per catch. It's like being able to stretch the field, is that a fundamental weakness or is that something that just needs to be worked on? And I'm sure they worked on it coming off of Central Michigan because that film's out there now. And uh, I think you're going to see other teams try to maybe, you know, tempt Penn State into, into trying that. Yeah, I don't know if it's a fundamental weakness necessarily of the team and how it's constructed, but you know it is a piece of concern here. It's a cause for concern. You know, we did see you know Mitchell Tinsley go up and get that what was a thirty-four yard uh, catch. You know, at Auburn on that second drive that you know it was that bounce back series from Clifford after he got laid out uh, on that first drive, and so 
you know, we have seen those connections happen. Um, you know, Brenton Strange at Purdue, you know, catching that, and that, that was like a kind of extension of the play, and he bounces off a couple guys, and really brutal tackling by Purdue on that play. I still think about that. But, you know, like I, I do think that the you know downfield passing game, there's a little bit left to be desired there, and I do think the third wide receiver uh, issue is, is a part of that, you know, because, you know, Keandre Lambert-Smith had four catches for 50-plus yards against Purdue, a couple drops, but that touchdown was a big play. Since then, you know, he really hasn't done a whole lot. Trey Wallace hasn't stepped up into, you know, the spotlight as we thought that he might. You know, he was getting some preseason praise from Sean Clifford. Is is it an Omari Evans kind of thing? You know, is Caden you know, Saunders start to get more snaps if those guys don't produce it out of that third wide receiver slot? I think you're really encouraged with what you've seen from Brenton Strange and, you know, the tight end group as a whole. You know, Theo Johnson will be getting more involved as the season goes on. But that third wide receiver slot is something that, uh, you certainly need to see more production out of. And I would suspect for the Penn State coaching staff, as you get an opportunity to self-scout after this weekend, a couple of those areas should be uh, priorities for them. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. I uh, mentioned Sean Clifford's health. You also mentioned, you know, getting laid out uh, in that, early in that Auburn game, so they, they tie into each other. Uh, James Franklin has talked about, I think he talked about this, what, Tuesday and Wednesday, just durability for Sean Clifford, as healthy as he's been at this stage of the year. Now, obviously, the being able to pull him out of games, you know, Drew Aller being able to play in all four games so far is part of that. I don't know if there's data to back it up, but I also feel like they have been running him a bit less and putting him in fewer positions to take that punishment. Am I see? Am I seeing that right? Like, I it just seems like through four weeks, like he has been in fewer dangerous positions. Yeah, but then you go ahead and think about Auburn. It's like okay, he takes that hit from Owen Papo or Papo. I still uh, it still escapes me how to pronounce that linebacker's last name. But so he takes that hit. And then he runs a QB sneak on the next play. And then on the next drive, they open with a QB draw. And it's like, all right, you're just trying to get this kid killed, I guess. But uh, so he has taken some hits, but not as many as you would think. You know, I, I, you know, I agree with you that they've maybe protected him a little bit more. He's protected himself, too. Uh, he took a couple sacks against Ohio. But the last two weeks, he's done a better job about getting the ball out. You know, maybe he has a little bit more time than he think he does. You know, especially in that Central Michigan game, he was, you know, see, he saw ghosts on a couple of plays there. Uh, but he only took one sack in the last two weeks against Auburn and Central Michigan. A part of that is the offensive line doing its job. I think Olu Fashanu has been great at left tackle. And then even uh, Sal Wormley and uh, Juice Scruggs have done a good job on the interior. But, uh, you know, part of that, too, is Sean Clifford knowing, hey, I can't take hits. And, uh, you know, I don't want to get I don't, I don't want to you know, lose any downs or any snaps or any series here. He even said it after the Purdue game that, you know, when he left for that drive and Drew Aller came in, like, it killed him not to be in there. It's his last year. He doesn't want to miss any snaps. And so he knows as well as anyone, especially after last year, don't take hits if you don't have to. And I think he's been doing a good job of protecting himself and largely the coaching staff has done the same. Do you think this weekend is another Drew Aller game? I do. I do feel like it, it, it is a little different for James Franklin. If he can get meaningful experience in a big 10 game, you know, I know it happened by accident at Purdue, but I think James Franklin probably liked what what he was able to get from from that. Um, so even if this is like I don't know twenty four to six in the third quarter or something like that, 
you think Drew Aller is going to get at least get a couple series? I do. And look, I don't know if James Franklin will ever admit this or uh, acknowledge this, you know, whether it was the plan before the season or not. Obviously, it's not the plan that Sean Clifford goes out and you need to put Aller in at Purdue. And you're probably not planning to be up a million on Auburn and get Aller in that game, too. But, uh, you know, a talent like him, a five star freshman and, and really the future of your program. In an ideal world, he doesn't stick around for four, five, six years, right? He he ends up leaving and going to the NFL if he's playing that well after a few years. And so really the red shirt for a guy like Aller and you know Nick Singleton and Kay Tron Allen, these guys who are uber talented and you want to get on the field. But in Aller's case specifically, I really don't think the red shirt does him a whole lot. You know, get him in as much as you can this year, whether that's a series against Northwestern in the bowl game. Later in the year, Indiana, you know, Maryland, Rutgers. Maryland's a little better than maybe we thought they were. But the other two, uh, you know, the, those are opportunities that you can probably get him in as well. And just prime him for next year, right? So 2023, uh, you know, is an opportunity for Aller to step in and feel comfortable and not totally foreign to the college game. So I think you, I think he gets in. I think Penn State's in that position where they're up uh, a few scores on Northwestern in the second half and Aller gets his fifth game and uh, does not redshirt this year. This has been a really good development for James Franklin and his coaching. Like when they've had players, they haven't been shy about rotating. They haven't been shy about, you know, putting guys in who aren't starters in fourth quarters of important games. I mean, it's been part of what they do, but it kind of leads us to the next point of of going a step further now. And uh, I think just being able to get as many guys as, as you possibly can into games Early in games too, like it, it, I, I, and I think that's been what's been different for me is that you know you're tapping into these rotations early in games and getting guys in, and I think you know obviously the quarterback position, you never want to be in a position where a guy's gonna a, a guy's taking three snaps before he's your starter. So I think continuity there, but I think continuity all across the board, being ready for injuries, being able to transition from one week and from one season to the next too, when you have guys who have gotten meaningful time. I mean, I think this is something that really stands out to the point where Pat Fitzgerald was like, wow, I, I don't think anybody's played more guys than Penn State has this year. Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about the offensive side of the ball with Aller, Singleton, and Allen, but even look at across the side at, at the defense, right? You know, Zane Durant at defensive tackle has played a lot of snaps, at, uh, you know, backing up Mustafer and Hakeem Beeman, you know, that that's a situation where you would like Kaziah Izzard back, and we'll get to that in, in a second, but Zane Durant has done well as a true freshman. Abdul Carter, we've talked about a bunch at linebacker, but it's not just him. You know, there's there's other guys across this defense. I mean, even uh, Jamari Budden has played quite a bit at linebacker, you know, quite a bit being, you know, 25, 30 snaps. But again, that's valuable experience. In the secondary, you look at safety, but Jair Brown was one of the two uh, pillars of that secondary with Joey Porter Jr. But at safety, they're working in a lot of guys like Jalen Reed and Zaki Wheatley, along with Keaton Ellis, who's starting. Those guys are all getting in early in games. And look, that helps. You know, if, if someone goes down, that helps. If everyone stays healthy, that helps because then you have everyone that's everyone really fresh, you know, for the end of the third quarter and, and that fourth quarter, when everyone holds up those four fingers and it matters most, right, Dustin? And that's, that's a scenario where you want everyone healthy and everyone ready to go and, you know, everyone at your disposal. And so I think that's a key thing, especially going into this stretch, this mid October gauntlet. You don't want to look over Northwestern, but after the off week, Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State, and at Michigan, too. Uh, I think the big house is a little bit of an overrated environment, but in, but still a lot of people packed in there. It'll be a top 10 game, most likely, you know, game between top 10 teams, as long as Michigan, you know, escapes Iowa this weekend and gets that job done. So 
I think having that much depth and having that, that, that many guys with you know early experience in the season, uh, you know, it really helps. It helps your entire football team. It helps the confidence of your team. And I think even bigger picture, it helps to have the reputation when you're recruiting kids of like, A, if you show you can do it as a freshman, we're going to let you do it. B, we're playing a lot of guys. So like whether you're a starter or not, uh, you can come to Penn State and you can expect that you're going to you're going to see some meaningful time until your official arrival time comes. And I think to your point about Michigan, you know, not only is that just such a pivotal game in general, it's also going to be the most physical game that Penn State plays. So you talk about depth, you talk about probability of injuries. It just goes up whenever you're playing a, a team like Michigan who's going to try to they're going to want to Im- impose their will upon you and you got to be able to kind of stand up to that. Having depth helps. And I think having guys who are just ready to rise to that challenge. I mean, this also ties into depth also is that Kaziah Izzard has not played in the game. Uh, Smith Bilbert has not played in the game. Both were expected to be and probably still are expected to be important parts of that defensive line rotation. Guys who got surprising playing time last year. They, they took advantage of opportunities that that were, get, were given to them when other guys had to leave the lineup. But now... Those names, we ha- we haven't seen them. We don't know exactly what's going on. We've seen, I think, both of them have been healthy enough to practice. Uh, so how would you describe this situation of just waiting for Kaziah Izzard and Smith Bilbert? You know, I'll, I'll let James Franklin explain it because he's kind of, uh, you know, look, he's, he's dodged the question a little bit, you know, with Kaziah Izzard and Smith Bilbert's availability uh, over the last few weeks. And he was asked uh, at his Tuesday press conference about Smith Bilbert specifically and he said, I have a ton of respect for all the players in our program, and I want to be respectful of their situations, whether it's personal, whether it's professional, whether it's academic. And he went on to say that it's, you know, he's proud to have Smith Vilbert in the program, who was, you know, named the special teams player of the week. And so this doesn't sound like a suspension. I mean, again, you know, the students, you know, they're still student athletes, they're still going to class, they still have, you know, personal stuff going on. So you don't want to speculate or anything, but I will say, I think the defensive ends have held up well without Smith Bilbert in the lineup. He's a guy who you know was a star in the Outback Bowl. I think Kaziah Izzard's absence is a little bit more uh, pronounced, or you know could become more pronounced, uh, you know, in the Michigan game and even against Minnesota when they're trying to run the ball with uh, with Ibrahim. Uh, Izzard is a guy who you want in the center of your defense as a rotational piece. You know, he's seven starts to his name uh, last season after PJ Mustafer went down at Iowa. Uh, he's a big body in there and you know, has some experience. And so I think you'd like to be able to add him to the mix if you can. And, uh, you know, Franklin was asked after Wednesday's practice about Izzard, uh, who has been practicing and said, you know, in terms of his uh, return against Northwestern, he said, that's possible. We'll see how this plays out this week. Uh, but that's possible. So, again, you know, pretty vague on both those guys, a little more optimistic uh, on uh, Izzard after saying Smith Vilbert will be unavailable. Uh, this weekend. So we'll just keep an ear out and, and see what's what with those guys. And I think it, it is a reminder that players are human beings. You know, I think Hakeem Beeman, you know, that not being an injury related uh, absence last year, well, I don't want to speculate either, but all kinds of stuff happens. I mean, these, these are people who are going through actual life stuff. And I think that's what James Franklin was trying to get across without being specific about what exactly and who that exactly applies to just saying that, you know, they have lives and stuff happens, whether that's, you know, whatever the case might be. On the bright side, I think on that, you've seen Jordan Vandenberg get more 
reps than he probably would have otherwise. And I think probably the same for Zane Durant, who's obviously going to be a foundational piece going forward. And at the at defensive end, I mean, Amin Vanover has been pretty good through four games. I think that that's that's a player that you know I found myself saying like I I, sh- I should have I should be taking more note of what Amin Vanover is doing. So I think as a as a coaching staff, I'm sure they like that they've seen you know a guy or two take advantage of, of some you know expanded opportunities. Yeah, I mean, Vanover has done well. Deny Dennis Sutton getting a lot of reps as well, uh, especially late in games over the last couple of weeks. Three sacks in his last two games. Five-star freshman is another just uber-talented guy that you want to get on the field. And, you know, even if Smith-Vilbert's in the equation, I think they still get, you know, Deny involved, even if, you know, Keziah Izzard is in the equation. I still think they get Zane Durant involved. But those are two true freshmen that have looked at this situation, you know, kind of a, a vacuum of snaps and, uh, both have been able to uh, step in there. Just a couple of more examples of how this 2022 recruiting class is, uh, you know, making strides. You know, not just in the future, right? We're we're not talking about 2023, 24. We're talking about true freshmen that are contributing right now uh, to what you know James Franklin and the program hopes is a Big Ten contender, you know, Big Ten title contender. Uh, so that's you know that's huge for their growth and their development. Producing while learning on the job. It's a pretty good scenario for Penn State. And Denai Dennis Sutton, in fact, with those three sacks. Leads Penn State in sacks right now. So uh, we'll see if he can keep doing that moving forward with a handful of opportunities he gets. We do expect Northwestern to be, uh, I don't, I wouldn't say a blowout per se, but I think, um, I think, uh, no doubt about it kind of win. Uh, Penn State should be 5 and 0 going into the bye week. And then the real fun begins uh, October 15th. Uh, hitting the road for Michigan. That's Johnny McGonigal. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith for the Blue White Breakdown. Remember to check us out on all podcast platforms and at penlive.com slash Football. We'll see you next time. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Live. <laughs>